Okay, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. On a victory Monday, Chiefs win divisional round. First playoff game for the Chiefs of the season over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-20 to on Saturday afternoon. Game with a lot of storylines, a lot of very close calls, some massive injuries that we'll talk about. But at the end of the day, the playoffs is about one thing and one thing only, and that is winning football games. And that is exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did. The Jaguars hit a – and it was actually a smart play. I, I really agreed with them kicking the field goal there. But they hit the backdoor cover if you're a betting person and took Jaguars. Um, what a What a call by you, really. Um, honestly, because they kicked the field goal with 25 seconds to make it a seven-point game and go for the onside kick. And we'll get into the special teams, but good Lord, was that recovery dicey. Um, but as I said, Chiefs figure out ways to win. They did it on Saturday. Got Blaine and Johnny joining the show, as always, on another Victory Monday. Beautiful day in my neck of the woods. Curious to hear what it's like in Springfield, Mo, and Kansas City, Mo. We'll start with you, Blaine. Blaine, how are we feeling, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Back. I was, I'm sorry to be off. I just rearranged my flights Wednesday. It looks like I could be on. I should be able to be hey, on. Hey, so, there we go. How about that? We, yeah, get a little preview. I, I need to talk to somebody in depth about this Chiefs Bengals game. <laughs> the people around me might go crazy. But no, I um that, that was a fun game. I was it was the first game I'd watched from a bar in a long time, and that was really enjoyable. Now, fourth quarter, a little fuzzy, but I remember it. Watched some highlights <laughs> and on, and it was uh I mean, that game was fun because just there was a lot of things that you were looking for out of Spags and um, even Pacheco and some of the stuff we'll get into. But overall, I felt like the Kansas City Chiefs played pretty well. We'll, we'll dissect, but uh, I had fun. It was, it was a great day. I'm ready for Cincinnati. Johnny? Hey, what's up, guys? This This <laughs> is just what an opportunity for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that I think that as a fan, like we really need to recognize how special this is. Like five straight AFC championship games and our building to open Patrick Mahomes' career as the starter. I mean, if you really think about that, that's ridiculous. It is just a testament to his greatness, a testament to how well run this organization is. I'm incredibly proud to be a Chiefs fan. Having said all of that, they need to get this one. I really think so because it, if they lose this game, only having one Super Bowl to win to show for it out of these five would really be a harsh reality, like a really hard thing for me to to, to deal with for the rest of my life, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. if you would have said to me, you know, okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to go to five straight AFC championship games, but the Chiefs are only going to win 20% of the Super Bowls out of those five, I would be like, All right, bullshit, give me the over. Um, so they, 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 I think they need to get the job done here. And to go on top of that, it's, it's an opportunity, opportunity to do the one thing Patrick Mahomes hasn't done in this league, beat Joe Burrow, do it right. The last three times it's happened. The chiefs had opportunities to win all three of those games and have gotten in their own fucking way, get out of your own way. And we'll, we'll break it down. Of course, some more, but you know, I, I know we want to talk about this Jaguars game, but just going forward, I mean, this is a this is a huge moment for this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I'll oh, go ahead, Blaine. Sorry. I didn't you know, you know, I, no. And it's just like I've been watching so much radio like 
one of these days, like I don't work very much in March Madness and playoff football in between. I'd really try to do my best, but I've watched a shit ton of YouTube today. And just like the windows seemingly are closing for Buffalo with all the stuff they have going on and Josh Allen. And if the Chiefs can beat the Bengals here, they got to pay a lot of guys on that offense. And Burrow, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of roster flip. And Kansas City had the luxury of flipping that roster last year to where the future's bright. And if you get this one, the future's really bright. But I just wanted to make that point about the windows. No, that's a great point. And my point is really kind of piggybacking on both of those um, from you guys. Not only is this an opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to beat the Bengals, but everybody else on this team, too. I think the biggest difference, in my opinion, from last from last year's AFC Championship game is that there isn't going to be any of this taking the Bengals lightly. I truly wholeheartedly believe that last year Cincinnati came into Arrowhead as a true Cinderella, and they weren't necessarily the Cincinnati that we know and, um, quite frankly, fear um, now. And it bit the Chiefs in the ass. They didn't put them away. They let them hang around, and they come back. They came back and won the game. I think that's a completely different mindset this year. The Chiefs are coming into this game. Blaine Texas said that they're home underdogs. Um, Vegas is against them. And, and when the Chiefs are in this situation, they seem to really rise to occasions like this. Guys like Travis Kelsey, guys like Legereus Sneed have to have massive games. But my eye is on Chris Jones, and he still – does not have a playoff sack, man. I mean, I love Chris Jones to absolute death. I believe that we should resign him, but he has got to have an impact on Sunday's AFC Championship game. We'll save all the rest of that for Wednesday. Good little preview into uh, Wednesday's pod. Let's focus back to another cat, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, let's start with them, really. I want to give them some credit. Um, what a flip of an organization from year one of Trevor Lawrence to year two. And Johnny makes this point a lot and it's a really good point. It's, it's all, it starts with your head coach. It starts with the competence of your head coach. And it was clear that Doug Peterson has that confidence or excuse me, that competence and confidence really um, coming from Philadelphia, having been in moments like that. Um, The Jaguars, an incredibly good game plan from them. I thought, I thought they shot themselves in the foot but they had chances to win this game, guys, and I think it's a testament to Doug Peterson um, putting belief in this team. Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good. I really like Travis Etienne. And let's start really with the Chiefs' defense. I rewatched the game today, guys, and that first half really chapped my ass. Um, I thought that the defense played soft. I thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars really did whatever they wanted to. I think Evan Ingram is a really good tight end, and that showed throughout the game. Um, but to give Chiefs defense credit, I thought in the second half they they fixed some mistakes and they bowed up and they took advantage of some some costly Jacksonville Jaguars mistakes and and really, I think, kind of won this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Johnny, maybe your thoughts there first, maybe just your overall thoughts from the game and anything I said. Yeah, I'll just start with the Jaguars real quick, Shannon. I think uh, all your points are sound. I, I, this year, it seemed like the Jags, you know, before the year, they were initially the Johnny Road Jags, and it was this big joke. You know, it turned out to be funny because they kept losing me money when I would bet on them. But I, I, I think, like, my my logic was sound, thinking that they were going to be a better football team. Um, 
and this this they're still a year away, right? Like so, this was kind of them playing with house money, and uh, I I do think going forward they're going to be that team in the AFC South. I mean, you look around the rest of that division, the Colts are in complete disarray. They don't know who their head coach is going to be. They don't know who their quarterback is going to be. You could say the same exact thing for the Houston Texans. Um, and of course the Tennessee Titans are in a very weird position, new general manager. Don't know if it's going to be Tannehill or a new quarterback next year. It certainly won't be Malik Willis, but, um, it looks like the Jaguars are the best ran organization in the AFC South. So, uh, kudos to them and a, a big boost they'll get next year that not a lot of people are talking about. I've seen it on Twitter a few times, but uh, keep in mind, they traded for Calvin Ridley. They're going to get him on their team and to start next year too. They wow. I forgot for him. about that. Um, yeah, so they'll have Calvin Ridley coming into that wide receiver room, and he's really fucking good. So, yeah, I like what they're doing. Um, the, the the game changed for them though. They turned the ball over on two out of three in a three snap span. They turned the ball over twice. That was the problem. It was the fumble by Agnew, uh, and then an interception by Lawrence on a fantastic catch uh, by, by by Jalen Watson. So. To wrap up my Jaguars thoughts, the Jaguars right tackle was false starting every single snap. I was losing my marbles about that, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, he's probably timing it just good enough, but like there were times where I was like, this is ridiculous. But I, you know, at the same time, remember, uh, Mitchell Schwartz used to be able to really do that well for the chiefs timing that snap. So, uh, regardless, uh, good for the chiefs. Let's hear what Blaine has to say about the chiefs though. And then I can add uh, some thoughts. I don't want to take it all. Yeah, I mean, I liked how, you know, Chandler, I agree with you. Some of the first half was just a little head scratch just as it developed. But that first possession defensively, Spags dialed up Justin Reed on a slot blitz the first play of the game. And Trevor just never seemed to be able to get comfortable. I mean, he had a few big plays because he's Trevor Lawrence. He's going to. But it just was, you know, spotty. It wasn't the second quarter in the Chargers, and that's what Spags wanted to do, and he did. And I think it it worked in spots now gave up big plays because of it, but that's the Chiefs defense. And I think they're going to try to do that next week, or, or I guess this week against the Cincinnati Bengals as well. So, you know, it set the tone early, but the the point of the game that really made a difference for me was there at towards the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, Willie Gay, well, Frank blew that play up. Willie Gay comes down, forces the third and 12, Chiefs mm-hmm. then drive, Third and 19, Travis gets that chunk play, kick that field goal, go up 10. Next play, naughty sack, boom. Ooh. That's a different game. Exactly. So that that those that occurrence, when you're up 10, get a big sack and a couple of big defensive plays was was really the difference for me. And then obviously the Chiefs went on a, an awesome drive there. So we'll talk about the offense. I'll talk about that drive, but um did what you had to do there when it was thick, and then you forced two turnovers later than that, and that's amazing. But um, I, I just think that third quarter late was sensational. I thought one of the best things the Chiefs did was after the first quarter, they maintained a two-possession lead. Yep. And in the playoffs, you're not going to blow anybody out. I mean, it, it's very rare. And, and to maintain a two-possession lead is just so big because if you do – give up a touchdown, you're still up three or seven, whatever, however many, you know, however many points you're up, two possessions. Um, and the Chiefs did a great job of doing that, put Jacksonville in tough positions. That's why they had to kick that field goal and then go for the onside. Like, that's a completely different game if it's a one-possession game, and you never know what can happen. So kudos to the Chiefs, and a large part of that had to do with the defense. Um, you mentioned a guy, Blaine, that's that was a, a, a having – 
So I guess for the listeners, I watched the game Saturday through work. So I really, I knew what happened, but I really went back today and dissected it. And I got to say, Frank Clark had a day. I really freaking liked Frank Clark's activity. He did not have the best stat line. I mean, it, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't like jaw dropping numbers, but I loved his activity. Three total tackles. He had a sack, two TFLs, and especially the biggest one Blaine alluded to on that throwback tight end screen because it did appear that he had some room to run if he gets past the, uh, Frank Clark and Willie Gay. Um, playoff Frank Clark. I think he's like tied for fourth all time in playoff sacks. It's insane, and I hate it. But he seems to show up in moments – and I hate to keep dogging on him, but in complete contrast to Chris Jones, I think Johnny has a differentiating take on Chris Jones's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I didn't like anything I saw from him. Johnny, anything on that? Well, he certainly didn't have his best game of the season, but he got – for me, the problem with Chris has never been – He's not finishing the play. I guess I don't don't really know how to word it. There were two specific instances where he had his Chris Jones blows up the entire play and is in the backfield at the blink of an eye. Yep. He just let Hasty get away, and then the other time he let Lawrence get away. That's what happened with Burrow. That's what happened yeah. has happened his entire playoff career. It's it's strange. You at this point, you know, he knows all of this, and he knows how great of a player he is. So he's probably pressing a little bit. No, I just I we we need him in such a huge way oh, yeah. going going into this game against the Bengals, and of course we'll talk about it more. But I I I I I didn't see his stat line for the game. Did he have like a tackle, like maybe one? One. He had, you know, he had, one, he, he had one tackle. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you know these guys are not. They know how good he is, so they're going to try to get away from him. But you need more from Chris. He just needs to finish. If that said, if that said. Two tackles and two uh, in a you know a sack and a tackle for loss. I think we're talking about him a lot differently. But it, you're right though, Chandler. Like I don't think differently from you. I just think it's it just sucks. Right. Yeah, Frank also too. I mean, there was a sack. I think it was uh, Dana's sack. Mike, who? who I think he I think he forced Frank went inside. It went outside. Like the pressure internally from Chris getting so much attention. I mean, we talk about that so much, but Frank was the guy that was putting pressure to allow other guys to do it. It wasn't necessarily Chris yesterday. And if those two can both create, you know, mismatches, draw two people, I mean, hell, I would love to see Naughty go for another sack or whoever it may be. Sign me up. So. Yeah, I absolutely loved the uh, activity from the defensive line. That is – we've been saying it all years. I, I feel like, especially me, I have just been begging for this D-line to have serious activity, and I really thought I saw that. And it kind of alludes to what you said, Blaine. Trevor did not really feel that comfortable, in my opinion. And that's going to be a tall task moving forward. You've got to get guys like Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Um, Some other things from the defense. I thought that the secondary played pretty decent. I really – we called out our safeties uh, probably like week 11 or 12 for being inactive. We might as well not even have had them out there, really. We should have just been playing with nine guys. And all of a sudden – I don't know if they were like trying to hide them 
or not get him involved for some reason, but they seem to be all over the field now. I love what Justin Reed has provided this Chiefs defense down the stretch here, last four or five weeks, this week included. He seems to always be around the ball. And for safeties, I think that's the biggest thing. No, they're not going to make the plays all the time. Um, and they're probably not going to get that many PBUs and all that kind of stuff. But they're, I want them around the football as much as possible. And I have seen an increase in that drastically from when we started this season to where we are now. So that's obviously great to see. And then last point, our linebackers. Enough said. We have some of the best linebackers in football. Two of the best for sure. Maybe one of the best in the entire league in Nick Bolton. 10 tackles, six solo, all over the field, commanding the defense. The leadership on this defense, I think, is is different right now. I think you have guys, in contrast to last year, of course, we had Tyron, who we all have our opinions about. And he was a leader for the Chiefs. But when you're a leader in this situation, you've got to be doing things to affect the game. And Tyron Matthew just flat out wasn't doing that. It is so much easier to listen to a guy who is doing the things, making the plays for a defense. And I think they have guys at all – we have guys at all three levels that are doing that. And and I think that this buy-in from this defense is great. I think a Spagnolo defense – this is kind of contradictory to what I was saying earlier. In the first half, I do kind of think that our defense, like, tries to get their feet under them in the first half. I don't really know why that is the game plan. I do like them being aggressive, but – there's just been such a contrast in the first half and second half defenses this season. And I mean, I'm fine with it as long as it continues to work, but I just don't want a situation to arise. And this week could be one of those where the defense tries to get their feet under them. And all of a sudden we're down 10 or whatever. So just some things to keep your eye on. Chiefs defense played great. Um, overall, I thought that they really kept the chiefs in the game and preserved the lead. Um, enough to win, and that's what we need in the playoffs. Let's flip to the offense. I think the biggest key here, obviously, is the Patrick Mahomes injury. He gets up, he suffers a high ankle sprain in the first. Was it the first quarter or the second quarter? It was either late first quarter, early second quarter, one of the two. Um, but he is unbelievable. <laughs> second half, Pat really was having trouble throwing the football, and yet somehow still making plays. That play. To MVS, you know, I saw it live going back and rewatching it. What a freaking play! Yeah, he's so good, guys. Um, that jump it, pass to Chandler early on was so sexy, too. Him and Travis, it's just so fun to watch. And, um, I mean, the Chiefs' offense, it, it is, it is what it is. And I think that the culture that has been created. Chad Henney coming in and going on a 98-yard drive is just chef's kiss. Um, the players are prepared, and Chad Henney seems like a guy that's always going to be prepared no matter what. But, like, he didn't have a single inclination of playing in this game. And yet we throw him out there on our own two-yard line, and he takes the team on his back down the field, converting big third downs, big third downs. Um, now, we did have some help. Unreal play by Travis to muscle out of a tackle and die for the first down on a third and three, I believe it was. But quite frankly, I am comfortable in saying that Chad Henney won this football game for the Chiefs. 
I don't know what happens if the Chiefs have to punt on that drive. Um, but I do know what happens if something catastrophic were to have happened with Chad Henney at quarterback. And there was no worry about that, in my opinion. He looked so poised. The offense didn't seem like they skipped a beat with him back there. And that gives me a lot of confidence moving forward, especially with monitoring Patrick Mahomes' status throughout the week. Blaine, maybe your overall thoughts on the offense and just some of the things you saw because, man, I I, I don't really have very many negatives. I mean, the the Travis Kelsey, I mean, obviously, that's the obvious. We don't have to spend much time on that. He just continues to be Travis Kelsey. But the the thing about Henny that really impressed me was the he talked about it on his post game press conference. He didn't he didn't get any reps in practice. He's sitting back there mental reps like he's he's studying the playbook. They already have and just the NFL. It's it's crazy how deep football teams prepare, but they already had plays ready just in case. Like Chad had his favorite charted out on the thing, and the first play that he was in there. Whether it's Reed or Bienemy, whoever you know calls this in, called in Chad's favorite play to get him comfortable on that first and ten. You know, you get that short pass to Travis for six, comfortable. Okay, he set in, and that's what he said. He was able to just sit in, and after that first play, tunnel vision. It didn't matter if it was ninety-eight yards; he was going to to play good football and played good football. That's just so impressive to me, and it's an effort from everybody. I mean, even after Chad, that that. You talked about MVS is back in the end zone, the, the the play there, but also that whole drive in the fourth quarter, you know, eleven play. What was it? Twenty seventeen. Then you go up twenty seven seventeen. That I mean, keeping a game, two possessions as you talked about, Chandler Kelsey chunk first. Kelsey chunk first down. Then it went to the Juju back shoulder. Then it went to Pacheco for eight yards. Then Kadarius had that fifteen yard sweep that went to the corner of the end zone. You thought they could get the pylon, forces a second ten, and then MVS tops it off that's one two three four five different chiefs that all made big plays to force a game into two possessions late in the game in the fourth quarter i mean that's what you need that's what you gotta have and that's what they did executed at all levels and it was beautiful it was beautiful johnny very well said blaine yeah, uh, a few points. I'm going to start off with this. I think that it's so crucial for the Chiefs and it'll allude to a little bit of the defense. But when you have a quarterback that's commanding so much of your salary cap and Patrick's deal is great, right? Like it's very flexible, um, but it, it, it is expensive. You have to you have got to hit on your picks and you have got to do well managing where you're spending your money elsewhere. There were two players that contributed in big ways in this game on both sides of the ball that were drafted in the seventh round in the last draft, Pacheco and Jalen Watson to get big moments out of both of them in a game in the playoffs. When your quarterback is definitely injured is just huge. It's just huge. And it, it, this leads me into my next point that th- th- that win is so big for the team, the Kansas City Chiefs. These are all alpha personalities, right? These are all guys who, when they were growing up playing football or any other sport, they were the best player on their team. And that that mentality doesn't really go away. You have to channel that mentality elsewhere. Inevitably, these guys are going to get tired of hearing, well, the Chiefs go as Mahomes goes. That's it. You know, the, if Mahomes... If Mahomes isn't carrying these guys to victory every single week, they're not as good. And while that's 
partially true, they don't want to hear that. And so for Mahomes to go out and for this team to rise to the occasion in the way they did on both sides of the ball and hell, even on special teams at times, I just thought is was remarkable. And then for the team to do that and see their star quarterback fight through it and come back out there, you know, first guy on the field after halftime, and then to throw that touchdown, take that hit. You could see all the guys picking him up. It's just that that win is so big for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was super proud of them. I was super proud of Chad Henney. And, you know, I, I if you would have asked me, you know, Johnny, what's going to happen in, in the game, you know, before the game, I would not have said, well, at some point, Chad Henney is going to be taking a first and 10 snap in shotgun in the end zone. I definitely uh-huh. wouldn't have said that. Uh, but what but what happened? Andy Reid. Andy Reid was in his bag for that drive. It was he was having so much fun calling those plays. Chad Henney, after a phenomenal punt by the Jags, gets the ball in shotgun in his end zone and throws the ball on the first play. Right? You'd think with a backup quarterback, you're going to run the football there, and the Jags probably thought that too. But that was a great way to establish rhythm. You have you have to let the other team know you are going to throw the football in that situation, and they did. So kudos to them. It was a great drive. He almost threw a pick. I got really scared right there, but the ball hit the ground, thankfully. uh, And it was a great drive uh, that ended in a touchdown by Travis Kelsey um, for the Chiefs. Let me see if I have anything else here. Oh, one one point. I wanted to ask you guys this too. And I I think I know what you're going to say. I I think it's great how they're getting Kadarius Toney involved. I think he is really good with the ball in his hand. It just puts into perspective. You can add me Cole to this conversation too. Uh, the the different level of speed that Tyreek had on the field, you know, t- t- Tony's a four two or four three forty guy. You know, so is Nicole. When Tony catches the punt, it's like his feet are in quicksand. You know, and he makes great moves, but man, when Tyreek just could get the ball and go from standstill to full sprint like that. Yeah. Um I just missed that. And it just like it just goes to show how different of a player he is because you see oh Kadarius Tony is as fast as Tyree Kill and Nicole is as fast as Tyree Kill. It's just a different kind of speed. And so I didn't know if you guys I guess it's not really a question that but I'm sure you guys have noticed that too. No, you're right, Johnny, and um it, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things like you can be as fast as you want in a 40-yard dash, but there's a difference between that and and football speed. Not that I am uh, comparing myself and my speed to any single human being that plays in the NFL, but I swear I felt faster playing in a football game, running down the field on a punt coverage than I ever did testing a 40. It's just a different, it's just different. You got the adrenaline going. Like you're like, it's kind of like a life or death. Like they're getting ready to hit the shit out of me or Tyreek or McColl or any of these guys. Um, and for Tyreek to, yeah, it, it is different, but I will say this Kadarius Tony, a play that I loved watching. I rewatched it at least three or four times today. It was that one, it was before the MVS touchdown. They did that little option, like they started the game off with Pacheco. They did it with Tony, and he makes the first guy miss, bowls over yeah. a Jaguar secondary yeah, strong player. runner. And and gets down to like the three or the I think he might have set that out at the four yard line, but I think that's a difference in the game of Tony and Tyreek. I don't know yeah. that Tyreek really does that. Not that he had to, 
But the physicality, that gets the attention of guys like your offensive line, of Travis Kelsey, and it makes them want to go harder and harder and harder and more physical and more physical and and runs like that. Those are uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Those are mindset plays. Tony, yeah. you would think, would be a guy that wants to run out of bounds. Not that he, like, is afraid of contact, but just kind of, like, gets to the three, sees the defender, kind of, like, lowers the shoulder a little bit, but then kind of, you know, avoids to go out of bounds. He put his shoulder down in the ground and ran over a dude. And that's an awesome mindset. Blaine, you had something? Yeah, just on that, like, I'm thinking about former athletes that have played against or, like, have seen play, like, this is a super weird way, but, like, Tyreek Hill's, like, crotch or his balls, if there was long grass, they'd fucking get tickled because he has low leverage like it's so hard to you know it's so hard to tackle a guy with massive hamstrings and short legs that can just boom Kadarius has got a different type of strength and that's like leverage he's a little bit longer it takes a little bit longer for him to get one stride to the next Tyreek could just you know like skeetle his way down the field but Kadarius has it in his own way and I think that length allows him to like stop and go directional a lot better, not maybe better than Tyreek, but at least more distance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but definitely. it's cool. That's good. That's a fun little comparison. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So we'll talk about um this Chiefs offense moving uh forward to face the Cincinnati Bengals on Wednesday. Let's wrap up the show here. Oh, Blaine's got one more thing here. No turnovers. That's no yeah. turnovers. Crucial. That's how you want to play off football game. It's crucial. You're that's a really, really awesome point to finish there. You win the turnover battle, and it your chances of winning are so astronomically higher. It's going to be the key on Sunday for sure. Absolutely, it's going to be. No dumb special teams turnovers, and let's get into special teams here. John, did you have a final point? It was on special teams, but you're the guy for that. Take it away. Okay, yeah, we're going to get right into special teams. Um, we'll start with the positives. No turnovers. Um, I really like the way that Tony returned punts when his opportunity was called. Um, Harrison Butker nails looked really confident kicking the football on field goals. Now let's get to the negatives. What in the fuck is our kickoff team doing? I don't know if the kick, I, I don't know what they're calling that because we all know that Harrison Butker can kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. No problem. So I don't know what is being called. I don't know if it was a missed kick. But the fact that they had two massive returns, and quite frankly, the second one, in my opinion, is scarier because the first one was 7-0, okay? You get a big kickoff return. They go down and score. You kind of have to watch that. Things happen. First off, the hole was gigantic. I don't know if we even had guys out there covering, but my God, I think I could have returned it out of that hole. I'm not even kidding you. It seriously was – it was so wide, I couldn't believe it. Um, the coverage was awful. I thought that – I think it was – I can't remember who it was, but I think it was like – it was one of the widest guys on the field. Those guys are supposed to bend and bend and bend and close that gap, and he just did not do it, and that Jaguars returner took it. The second one, if Harrison Bucker doesn't make that tackle, he's gone. He is gone. And quite frankly, it really wasn't that good of a tackle. He just kind of hit him well enough to where he slipped and fell on the wet grass because he was absolutely gone. I don't know what is the issue with the coverage. Um, 
it, it's just so frustrating. Just kick the ball out of the end zone. What is I, – I, I just don't get it. And if it's Harrison Butker not kicking the ball well enough, that's just focus, and I don't get it. How do you get out there and you nail 50-yard field goals, two massive kicks? Harrison Butker had a great day in terms of putting points on the board. We'll never take that away from him. But that's what makes me believe that it was it was called to let them try to return it, to try to pin them deep, and I just don't get it. I really don't get it, Johnny. Do you have anything on that? I can't remember if I've brought this point up before or not. So if I have, just let me know. But God, it's frustrating. I have kind of like a I promise I'm not high take <laughs> on the Butker kicks. I think he kicks the ball too hard. And I think by kicking it so hard, he opens himself up to like a a little bit of deviation off of spot on the ball to kick or it's like the way it travels through the air with whatever the wind is going it, it, it like fucks with the ball and here's why i'm saying this if you were to watch like butker kick the ball it it looks like he's trying to imitate tucker justin tucker like just i mean his leg is a rubber band huge kick big follow through and, you know, when he kicks the ball through, it's like at the top of the uprights, right? When I watch like Robbie Gold kick, who, by the way, is perfect in his playoff career on field goals and extra points. When you watch Robbie Gold kick, maybe he doesn't have the leg that Harrison has, but it's just smooth. It's just like consistent. The ball's usually in about the same spot going through the uprights smooth. And Butker is just whipping that leg through. And so... You know, that that might be like a okay, Johnny, go into the corner and shut the fuck up. Like you sound ridiculous. But that's pretty that's like the only reason that I could like see why his kicks go from, you know, one extreme to the other. Cause right, I mean, I've been to a game. Uh I was at a game when they played the Panthers during the COVID year, and my buddy next to me got to keep a kickoff ball because we were behind the end zone and the ball bounced in like it hit he it went through the air through the uprights and hit in the stands he kicked it so far and how do you just how do you kick the ball to the goal line there maybe surely they are not calling for him to kick it short there Jamal Agnew is a very well respected returner in this league i just can't i can't imagine that they would do that and it goes back to the point that i make all the time Control what you can control. If you kick the ball as a touchback, you are giving the opponent the ball at the 25. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you let them return it, they could get tackled at the seven-yard line. They could fumble. They could get to the 40. Or they could get a touchdown. There's just more shit that can happen. And that's why I think receiving and kicking the ball, we should just buy into the touchback all right that's enough it, well johnny the the point i'll make and i'll turn over to blaine here is if they are calling it for them to kick it short harrison butker you've got to get more air on the football you can't it was a lot that first kickoff is a is more is more or less a line drive down the field and he catches it too fast to where the guys aren't really down the field yet if you're going to make them return it, you've got to put air under that football and make that returner sit there and wait for it. 
And uh, I didn't think he did a very good job of that blame. Harry. That's what they call him in the locker room. Do you guys know that? So I was listening to Travis today <laughs> on uh, Pat McAfee, and he was just fucking around, and he called him Harry like twice. And Pat was like, "What should I start calling him Harry?" And Travis was like, "I don't know if he likes that, but that's what I call him." And so I'm gonna start calling him Harry because if he misses a kick, he's gonna be harried. I'm gonna harry the fuck out of him. But I just had to make that point. I, I don't really have anything else. No, you guys said it all in special teams. Hey, but. Credit to you two, because you bro- you both brought this up that this team would need in the playoffs Tommy to flip the field in a big way, and I thought Tommy continued to punt the ball well uh, yeah. in that game. I mean, it was huge. Four, you know, four punts, um, two of them were inside the twenty, with his long being a sixty-yard bomb. I mean, big, big punts from Tommy, and, and you guys are right. It's going to come in handy against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The Bengals will probably get a stop or two against the Chiefs, and we're going to need to pin them uh, at some point. I think that was a great point that you guys made that I wanted to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, Tommy Townsend, four punts for 203 yards. It's the highest grossing play in football, a punt. Yeah, exactly. That was another thing. That's another thing that the Jaguars, they didn't have great starting field position on a lot of drives. Uh, their best starting field position, I feel like, were those kick returns. From the punt return side of things, they didn't ever get the ball in a good spot, and that's big props to Tommy Townsend, who also say something else positive. Holds seem to be much better, and say something about the long snapper, James Winchester. Snaps feel like they are money right now. They look sexy out there. His punt snaps have always been on point, pristine. I think he's one of the best long snappers in the game, no doubt. But his his field goal snaps, we have talked about it. They have not been as consistent. They've been consistent the last two weeks. And that is also a huge deal going forward on Sunday. Guys, anybody have any final points? Because I think we really summed up this Jaguars win really well. Back Wednesday championship time afc preview nfc preview of the championship matchups the nfc has an awesome matchup in itself the afc has an awesome matchup in itself if you're a fan of any other team besides the final four um i know you would rather have your team in it but man i think that the football world is blessed with two final games uh that have potential to be the games to end all games is kind of the magnitude of these games, I think, coming forward. So, or excuse me, going forward. We'll talk about them all on Wednesday. Blaine and Johnny will be back. Hopefully Blaine joins us right now. We feel really optimistic Blaine's going to be with us. Um, and Might we- be walking on the beach. We'll see. But right. AirPods. You know, <laughs> well, that sounds really nice, honestly. And if you're on the beach, probably not going to make you hop on, Blaine. I mean, if you're on vacation, come on. But uh Boys, I appreciate your time. Johnny, Blaine, I'll talk to you guys later, okay? Go Chiefs.